And the reading starts from Malachi 2, verse 17 to me. You have wearied the Lord with your words. <clears throat> How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. There are things that take place in our world uh, that make us cry out for justice, things that cause us to despair even. Uh, if you were alive at the time, I'm sure like me, you'll never forget the events that took place in Rwanda in 1994, when civil and ethnic tensions erupted into the most brutal violence. In the space of three short months, it's estimated that 800,000 people, uh, mostly Tutsis, had their lives taken at the hands of their Hutu neighbours. We call it now the Rwandan genocide. We rightly despair at the evils that take place in our world. Sometimes it's things that occur far afield like that, but often it's things that unfold much closer to home that cause us to cry out for justice. Uh, those things that occur and unfold in our own lives uh, or perhaps in the lives of those that we love. Maybe you or someone that you love has been the victim of a crime. You know that 
burning sense of anger, of helplessness, even that obsessive desire for wanting that to be put right, for justice to be done. Have you ever wondered sometimes where the justice is in this world? Questioned what God is doing? Wondered where the God of justice is? Well, the people of Malachi's day are asking those very questions. They're having that very struggle. Now, look, as we saw last week, their problems are largely of their own making. And yet, at the same time, as they look around them, as they see the injustices around them, that they ask the question all the same. Where has this God of justice gone? It's the accusation they level at God there. Have a look at verse 17 of chapter 2, where our reading began. It says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? They're accusing God of sleeping on the job. Or even worse still, of rewarding the evildoer. They think maybe God has either gone blind or... Perhaps that he just doesn't care. In fact, they have another go at God towards the end of chapter 3. Go down to verse 14 of chapter 3. They say there, It is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. That's what... God's people are observing. They see evil people prospering, people defying God, exploiting others, and just getting away with it. And it burns. They know it isn't right, and they want God to do something about it. It's a feeling we're all familiar with, isn't it? When you see the greedy get richer, the dishonest businessman pile up his wealth at the expense of others, the corrupt politician that uses their power for personal advantage, even the dodgy tradesman that charges way too much for poor work. We live in a world that's just full of far too many people who are just getting away with it. We get frustrated by that. Wonder where the justice is. Where is God? Why doesn't he intervene? Why doesn't he do something about it? Is God blind? Does he not see? Or is it just that he doesn't care? Or is it perhaps even worse still that he's powerless to stop it? God says, in fact, it's none of those things. And without wanting to be dismissive about it, God also wants us to know that he's never promised us that this world is going to work just the way we want it to. Or that the good guys will always finish first and catch all the breaks in life. In these last chapters of Malachi, God does promise that there will be justice. He assures us that there will be a time when we will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. We may not always see it now, but he says one day we will. But right alongside that promise comes a warning. A warning to remember that a cry for God to bring justice is also a cry for God to bring his judgment. 
See, we need to be careful what we wish for. Because demanding the justice of God means, in fact, asking God to judge what is wrong, to bring his judgment against what is evil. And so while we may want that for others, we shouldn't hope that God would somehow be inconsistent in that, perhaps ignore our own sin. See, if we want God to intervene, that means we need to be ready for God to bring his judgment. And for us, we need to appreciate what a dangerous proposition that is. And that's, in fact, what God warns his people about here in Malachi. He says that he will come in justice, but when he does, that means he brings his judgment with him. So pick it up there in verse 1 of chapter 3. God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. When God comes to bring justice, he comes as a refiner's fire, a launderer's soap. They're images of purifying things. And so the rhetorical question gets asked here, well, who can stand when God appears? Who can endure his coming? When the holy God draws near, it's a frightening prospect. Go down to verse 5. God goes on, he says, So I will come to put you on trial. I'll be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers and perjurers, against those who defraud labourers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. The justice of a holy God will mean he brings his judgment on what is evil, what is wrong. And those who think they're getting away with it will learn that there is a God of justice. God tells us that he is slow to anger, but he is angry about the evil in this world. It is a terrifyingly righteous anger that brings his justice. And God says he will bring down those who defraud labourers of their wages, who exploit those who are weak, who deprive the vulnerable of justice. I don't know about you, but I find it a comfort to know that these sorts of things here are mentioned, that God sees those things. They're not the kind of things you'd put up there as the great atrocities of our age. But God cares about this stuff. The vulnerable people matter to God. He sees it when somebody gets ripped off. And we rightly want God to do something about all of that, don't we? But we probably also have to admit that most of us don't really like the idea of God's judgment, of a God of judgment. It's a rather unpalatable concept, certainly one that's difficult to talk about, not only within the life of the church, but certainly to those outside. But it's something that we, well, not only need to accept, but in fact something ultimately that we need to welcome. Because with God's judgment comes his justice. But it is a justice that is not without mercy all the same. 
See, read on in verse 6 of chapter 3. God says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. See, if it was purely a matter of justice, the descendants of Jacob, the Israelites, they would have been destroyed by God long ago. But their God is also a God of mercy and compassion. A God who is patient with his own rebellious people. God implores them here, saying that there is still time to repent, to turn back to him. Now, God himself doesn't change, which is not to say that God is unflinching and uncaring. It means that God's promises don't change. So God will continue to love his people as he's promised to. And he will forgive those who turn back to him as he's promised to. He promises here that when they do return, they will fall not under his judgment, but under his blessing. Malachi is a book that speaks both about God's judgment, but also of this great hope. And these two things are not opposed to each other. In fact, they're related to one another. So Malachi speaks of hope in a day. This day when God will come. A day that brings not only justice, but renewal. So skip ahead a little to chapter 4 and pick it up there in verse 1. Malachi writes, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day, is, <clears throat> and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Malachi looks forward to this day, this day when God will come, when he will intervene, when he will do something about sin. There will be this day when God brings his justice, when evil will ultimately be dealt with. And this is an event that brings healing. This is an event that brings renewal. I don't know if you've ever seen calves, calves frolicking when they're released from the store, uh, but it's one of those things that well, it just warms your heart. Uh, it puts a smile on your face as you see the, the pure joy of these beasts. And that is what God's justice brings. It, it brings healing. It brings renewal. It brings joy. And Malachi says all of this is tied to someone. Tied to someone that God is going to send. We read about it already at the beginning of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Then go on down to verse 5 of chapter 4. The idea is extended there. It says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Now, if those verses sound somewhat familiar, it's because they get quoted in a few places in the Gospels. In fact, it's on the lips of Jesus himself. Uh, so in Matthew, Jesus explains it this way, and it's, it's also in Mark and Luke. 
Jesus explains who Malachi is writing about here. He says, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. See, what Malachi predicts is not truly fulfilled until 500 years after the events that we're reading about here. It's talking about the time when John the Baptist would come in the spirit of Elijah, the one who would come to prepare the way for the Lord, to prepare the way for what he calls the great and dreadful day of the Lord. See, that is the day when God comes to his temple, that day when God's perfect love and justice would meet, that day when God pours out his righteous judgment on what is evil. Not on those who are guilty, but on his own son. That day is the day when our Lord and Saviour went to his cross. A great and dreadful day. There the justice of a holy God was brought to bear. Not on those who deserved, but on the perfect son of God. That sacrifice in our place. It was a day when God showed both his justice but also his great love for this world that's rejected him. And because of that day, those who turn to God can draw near to him with no fear of his judgment. Even though we may be guilty, for us there is forgiveness, there is healing, there is renewal. But we should also remember that there will be another day, a day still to come, a day of reckoning, when all will be called to account, a day where we all call before God and everything is finally set right. And that day too is a day both for judgment and a day for renewal. Acts chapter 17 talks about it this way. He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he will come to judge with justice. The return of Jesus will mean a day of judgment for each one of us. And so the only hope any one of us has is to be found with Jesus on that day. While Jesus is coming to judge, he's also coming to make everything new. So in Revelation, we have this wonderful picture. It says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. So here is a picture of a new creation, creation that's free of injustice, like a calf leaping after it's been released from its stall. A picture of life here that's joyful, that's free. But not yet. That day is still to come. 
And until then, we live in a broken world with all the consequences of our sin and the sin of others. But God has told us where we're going. He's told us what his plan is. He does that for our benefit, to provide us both comfort but also hope. We can know that the God of justice is not sleeping on the job. But there will be times, no doubt, when you feel the sting of injustice, when you feel like you are suffering unfairly, and you may well be. You see the wicked prosper and seemingly get away with it. Well, take some solace in the knowledge that God is just. Find strength to endure, knowing that God is in control. Know that God will not let the wicked triumph, that justice will be done, that there will be a day when everything is put right. We may not always be able to see that now. We won't always, certainly won't always experience that now. But there will be a time when evil is done away with once and for all. But as Malachi also reminds us, that promise of justice comes with a warning. A warning that we each better figure out where we stand with God. So do you know? Do you know where you stand with God? When the day of judgment comes, who can endure it? Who can stand before a righteous God? Only one could. Thank God that there was a day when his judgment fell on the innocent one who stood in our place to make us right. Give thanks to God that because of that day, God has made a way for you to be forgiven, to be made new, to draw near to him, to rest in hope and peace.